sexies so the audio on this episode is totally fucked up because my idiot ass completely fucking forgot to plug in the microphone so yeah it sounds like shit however it's one of my favorite episodes ever hannah is hilarious and brilliant and i honestly learned so much and it's the fucking best uh so yeah don't let that deter you from listening to the episode enjoy hello and welcome to the Ninth episode of the Sexy Housewife podcast. I have here with me my very best friend, Hannah Lindgren, who I love to absolute fucking death, you guys. I cannot stress how much I love this bitch. <laughs> so I have some questions for Hannah's Bananas Wanners. Um, Should we explain why the episode is titled Magnum Come Loud? <laughs> <laughs> So basically, not to flex on anyone totally, I got magnum cum laude honors for my graduation tomorrow, uh, which is very awesome because I that is one honors higher than my very condescending and arrogant brother. So very impressed. <laughs> Don't with we all have one of those? Thank you. And I won't say which one it is, but he'll know which one it is if he listens. So <laughs> because he's arrogant, so it's great. I'd be like, well, I'm going to listen to it because I want to know if they're talking about me. And you know what? Yes, we are, sir. Okay. We are. Okay. I love you so much. Let's jump right in. Let's do it. Okay. So I have prepared for Hannah some interview questions. Just so you guys know, Connor is in the building <laughs> scrolling, and scrolling through Reddit. My cat, Trip is right. also in the building, locked in here with us. He is. In my childhood bedroom. Yikes. <laughs> oh, let him out. He can get out. Yeah, he can get out. He wants to go see my mom. Okay. In three words, can you describe Hannah? Me? Yes. I describe myself? Yes. Um, I would say I'm curious, skeptical, which I guess is like kind of the same thing, but one's a little more bitchy, so I'd probably lean more towards the skeptical side. And then... Um, I would say I'm kind of funny. So For sure. I like I make myself laugh, so I'm funny to myself, which I feel like is the most important person to be funny to. Yes. I am <laughs> always I always tell Connor, like, you're so fucking lucky because I'm hilarious. Literally. And you can't make like, yourself laugh. There's no point. Mm-mm. It doesn't matter. Mm-mm. How did we become best friends? Do you remember? Well, okay, so I listened to Ashley's episode, and I'd say we had a similar friendship born, but Obviously, like, different ups and downs throughout high school. But I think it was pretty solidified with the Iowa Daddy's Twitter account we made. I think that was kind of the consummation of our friendship. Our best friendship, I'll say. But we definitely went back and forth a whole heckin' lot throughout high school, hating each other, liking each other, frenemies, being in Mrs. Holt's Apple's office for cyberbullying. Each other. X, Y, and Z. (laughs) I think that you are actually, you have dementia. Do I? Yes. You, you forget that I literally was dying of an eating disorder throughout high school, so I you have no same. But you have dementia because we met in Mrs. Yates' chorus class. Bitch, I don't remember that. Oh wait, yes, I do. I remember the very first time you and I like became friends. We were in that class watching The Wizard of Oz, and I was just making fun of The Wizard of Oz the entire time. Do you remember that? It's coming to me a little bit. I think I blocked out quite a bit of middle school. For good reason. I mean, 
<laughs> that was Lenahan, but yes. See, literally, it's so bad. My memory stops at about third grade, and then it picks back up yesterday, so I apologize. <laughs> Seriously, though, I, 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 I can't literally remember. I think you bullied the shit out of Mrs. Yates, I too. did. I bullied the fuck. I would bitch make, had, oh, my God. That bitch had a trunk, though. though. She got a garbage truck. Can you fucking remember that? You could put two Tahoe's on that bitch. She had a fucking ass. We never appreciated it, but I would appreciate it now. Mrs. Yates, if you're listening, she's she got a fat ass. I respect it. Definitely not. I'm sorry for bullying you if you have to listen to this. I'm sorry. Man. She's a nice lady. She's just a little weird. All right. So you are a little, you're a world traveler. <laughs> I try. But not like any other. Not like those bitches who I will not name who've been to like two countries in Europe and put world traveler in their Twitter bio. <laughs> I can think of at least five off the top of my head. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Me fucking too. What are the top three places you've ever traveled? So I think about this pretty frequently because I get asked this on Tinder really often because I talk about traveling in my Tinder bio. And I would say for me, top three, I like to get some variability in there, you know? So number one beach place I've been is Zanzibar um, off the coast of Tanzania. It was fucking magnificent. It was like a Swahili old town. It was UNESCO heritage, everything. It was so cool. And then I'd also say I have a best city, I'd say, was probably Amman, Jordan, which is where I studied abroad in the fall. It was just like the culture, the people I live with, my friends there, fucking fantastic, the language, everything. And then... Because you are actually, you took Arabic. Yes, I learned Arabic there, um, which was a learning curve, to say the least. But it was still the coolest language ever. I love it so much. And then I'd say for like the classic European, I'd say Prague. Because it was so old. And guess what I learned? I learned. So we took a train in from Berlin, me and my dad. And you can kind of tell that, like, the remnants of, like, World War II on that train ride. Like, everything's really new. There's nothing really old because it's all been built up from the ground. And then you get into Prague and it's just, like, this, like, there's a fucking, like, what's it called? A bridge from, like, the year 1200. It's just fucking ancient. And then you, you know, we had a tour guide that said, oh, you want to know why it's so well-preserved? Because Hitler loved Prague. It was like his favorite summer vacation. So he always said, bomb everything, but preserve Prague. So I guess Hitler and I have that in common that we both really fucking liked Prague. And that was weird as shit, though. But Hitler was like, no, I fuck all my hoes are in Prague. Fucking keep it. So he kept it. I get my one balls sucked in Prague. <laughs> keep that shit. But if you go on Pornhub, like, every single, like, brothel shit is in Czech Republic, which is Prague. So I think there's some conspiracies going on there. Oh, my God. Hitler got his one ball sucked in Prague. He did. 100%. <laughs> so did I. So we're eskies. It's okay. <laughs> Tell me about the most dramatic experience you've had abroad. Okay, I also definitely have this memorized as well because it was fucking absurd. I was traveling via car. Well, like, I had, we had, like, hired a driver to take us between um, Kigali, Rwanda, which is where I spent summer, to um, this, like, national forest in Uganda. So we had to, like, cross a land border, obviously. And on the way, it was totally fine on the way there. On the way back, so we're going from Uganda to Rwanda. You get up there, and there's, like, a separate line if you don't have rwandan citizenship which was like um two people entirely it was me and my best friend abby so like shout out abby Abby. love her um and so we get to this border crossing you know and we get in this line and we give them our passports they're really nice about it and everything and then like 20 minutes have passed and nothing's happened we haven't heard anything and there's like nobody coming in or out of this you know area 
And we go up about 20 minutes later. We're like, hey, we'd like like an update, you know? And they're like, oh, we like lost your passports. We don't know where they are. We were like, that's so cute. What the fuck are you talking about, Jim? Mm. We were like, uh, what? And then I am kind of embarrassed to say that that was like the one time I've really pulled the like American card. And I said, if you don't find my passport in the next 10 minutes, I will have the U.S. Embassy here in an hour. I don't know if I could actually do that, but I said it. And wow, shocker, they found our fucking passports within five minutes. Found, in air quotes. They definitely were. I mean, passports sell for like $3,000 on the black market. Like, it's, U.S. passports sell for a lot. So, that was it. I was kind of embarrassed because I literally turned into a white Karen. (laughs) It was like, find me my goddamn passport. Because I was like, I'm not walking out of this place without it. And they found it, so... (laughs) But it was crazy. I like flipped a switch. I never act like that. I never that much of a bitch. You channeled your inner me. I really did. And it was just like instantaneous. It was like, I didn't even think twice. I was just like, no, fuck you. Pay me. Give me my passport. And that was it. Legend. <laughs> Iconic. Most of my travel experiences have been pretty, pretty normal though. I haven't had anything too dramatic happen. I've had like a driver masturbate while we were. I was going to, I thought that's what you were going to say. That was probably the most traumatizing travel experience I have, but like craziest in terms of like holy shit this is happening like i was expecting at some point in my life to have a driver masturbate um in the car when i was driving that's like expected for female travelers but not get your passport stolen at a border patrol so yeah the fuck was that my dad's computer tell me about a trip that changed your life besides your cat trip (laughs) literally my cat trip um i mean it's like so cheesy but i would say um, the summer after I graduated high school, so literally four years ago, um, so weird. I, uh, went to Uganda. I didn't really know anybody at all. I went alone as a little 18 year old. This bitch bought a flip phone because. <laughs> no, I will tell that story because okay. it's fucking embarrassing and it shows how much I've grown, hopefully. Um, no, I always just knew I wanted to go to East Africa for probably. And I have a question. Yeah. Are there outlets in Africa? Yeah, dead ass. Somebody <laughs> fucking asked me that at my graduation party, and I will never forget. Actually, I'm going to say it. Luke Severson fucking asked me that. Everybody from Marshalltown will know what connotation that means. No, okay. So, I definitely had some, like, gross-ass white savior vibes being like, oh, I really want to go to Africa, and I really want to, like, volunteer. But I think I was, like, I had, like, fine enough intentions, but, like, cringy looking back on it, obviously. I actually just found my blog the other day. Fucking awful. Oh, good God. Yeah, I'll show you later. And so I looked into it. Like, I remember I was in Mrs. Santana's, like, Spanish class, and I didn't pay a single goddamn second attention to it. I was just, like, Googling, like, reputable volunteer agencies. And I did it. I just, like, bought a plane ticket and I went, and I didn't know anybody except for the volunteer coordinator, and I made it work. But I will say that, like, I just said before, like, I went in with such small minded Iowa viewpoints. Like, I thought, I literally didn't bring my iPhone because I thought, oh, my God, I don't want to be flashy with what I own. I don't want to be, like, this, like, rich American. So I bought a flip phone. And then turns out everybody in my fucking village has a goddamn Samsung, like, smartphone. And they're like, where the fuck's your smartphone? I'm like, oh, I didn't bring it. They're like, are you okay? Like, what the, like, are you Mormon? Like, literally, like, they were like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Speaking of that, yeah, a lot of Mormons there. Um, No, but I, um, I think that was definitely the catalyst for me. I don't recommend everybody, like, go and, like, test it out and, like, learn that way because it can be really harmful obviously I've read some really fucked up stories of people doing stuff but I think for me it was real catalyst for really understanding how so much of the world lives and it definitely sort of propelled me into what I did at school and what I did for the rest of my summers and hopefully what I do post-grad so I think it was really I still talk to my host family a lot pretty often and yeah it was really really I think about it so often Hannah (laughs) bought two pigs I did I bought I started a pig co-op that was part of my fundraising 
that's still active today. And I named them Hannah and Karen. So there are two pigs. Oh, they're probably dead. Well, no, they're probably still alive. They have long lifespans. They're female pigs, so they don't get killed. They breed. And uh, yeah, I named them Hannah and Karen. They're probably still alive today. That's hilarious. <laughs> and Lugazi. Yeah. What are a few things that you always take with you when you travel? Well, now my smartphone, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I think iPhones are amazing, especially the better cameras they get. You really don't need to bring, I mean, people will probably fight me on this, but you don't, unless you're like running a professional photography business, like you really don't need a professional camera. And I think iPhones pretty much do the trick. Um, and I always bring a journal just in case I, you know, have a cab driver that masturbates with me in the car and I need to process my feelings or just like, you know, to keep for like my grandkids someday. I don't know, like something that because I, like I said earlier, I have very bad memory in some cases, and so I want to be able to remember things in some way. And then um, I always have emergency $300 of U.S. cash, which is just logistical. It's very smart to have that and, like, seven copies of your passport. So <laughs> just very logistical. I'm very organized in that way that I make sure, like, I have things, like, very set like that. So Also, cliff bars. Oh, I do fuck with cliff bars and a bitch when I was traveling, stole, like, 10 of my cliff Bars, which is, like, 30 fucking dollars. Abby will remember this. I'll never fucking forget that. What a bitch. bitch. Okay. We have a funny one. You ready for this? Oh, God. Fuck, Mary kill! Mitch McConnell, Stephen Miller, Mr. Fry from MHS. Oh, fuck. Which one was Mr. Fry? I cannot believe you don't remember him. I was thinking Mr. Freeze. Okay, we can just do that. Let's do Mr. Freeze. Okay. Because I don't think I have Mr. Fry. I remember like, people making fun of him, but I don't remember him. He worked at, he also worked at Quickstart, and we all made fun oh, of him because shit. he lived with, the mo- with his mom. I was really, I'm really happy you didn't put a different um, MHS professor on there, or teacher. You said to teacher. I'm, but I'm happy you didn't put one on there that I probably should not announce that I would absolutely fuck and marry and kill the rest. If I'm you know gonna, what I mean. I'm just going <laughs> to sniff my tea. going to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> Okay, but actually, um, I'd probably um, marry Mitch McConnell because okay. he's, yeah, he's rich as shit and he's going to die in like five years, especially with me being his wife. <laughs> I'd probably fuck Mr. Freeze because I could like hate fuck him. You know what I mean? And then I'd probably kill Stephen Miller. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. He's a shit. He's a fucking shit. <laughs> he's a bona fide piece of hog shit. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so... Like we mentioned before, uh, we both had eating disorders, and we did go through them together. What was the tipping point for you to decide to get better again? Okay, it's actually crazy, because I don't remember a whole lot from those, like, two years that were really bad, because I Same. my brain was not getting enough nutrients. Uh, my parents will be like, oh, I don't remember we did this. I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> I have zero recollection of anything you just said. So... But it's crazy because, and I'm going to name drop this because he didn't mean anything bad by it, but I'll never forget this. It was like August or September of my junior year in high school. And I was in the band room getting ready for marching band or something, some band practice. And I remember Cole Keeler, Mm -hmm. sweet, sweet boy. I love him. Mm -hmm. He came up to me and he's like, oh my God, honey, you have chicken arms. And it was then, like, I had such bad body dysmorphia, and people were too scared to, like, say anything to me, being like, oh, my God, Hannah, I think you're too thin. Then it was the first person that had actually, like, openly been, like, you're really, really fucking skinny, and it wasn't in, like, a positive way. Mm -hmm. Because before, I mean, people had been like, oh, my God, you've lost weight. Like, oh, my God, tell me how you did it. Mm -hmm. And then when I got to more unhealthy level, people just didn't say anything at all because Mm -hmm. they were too uncomfortable with it. But Cole Keeler was the first person to say, 
oh my god Hannah like you, you have like chicken arms like it, like and kind of said it in like kind of like a disgust way and that was like oh shit and then I had like a big moment of like I don't want to live like this anymore like I really and it was also college for me too my dad always told me like I've had so many students my dad's a professor he said I've had so many students that go through this in college and it's so much fucking harder to do it when you're not with like a support system like your parents and you're not you know I mean I'm sorry high school is not nearly as important as college I hate to break it to everybody but like I wanted to be much more coherent and alive in college. I was drunk for, like, 60% of high school. Literally. I mean, and I was not. I was a little prude, but... Um, then I went to school in Wisconsin and everything changed. But, um, yeah, no, and I think it was, you know, the thought of college coming up and really wanting to get my act together and get better for that. And then, yeah, just realizing that, you know, I was very... I was, I'm always really focused on how people view me. And then that was like, oh, shit, people don't think this is, like, a good thing. And again, that's not, like, the best motivation because it's, like, still people what they think of me. And that's, like, it should be, like, me, myself. But when you're disordered, that's not how it works. It's very much, like, how are people seeing me, so. Literally the only reason why I got better for, like, the first year after I gained weight was because I wanted people to stop, like, badgering me. Right. I just wanted to get people off my back. Exactly. So, yeah. It's very counterintuitive because you think, like, oh, you read these stories online, people being like, and I just decided that I was done being at war with myself. And like, sure, that was maybe like 10% of the equation. Like I was sick and fucking tired of hating myself and like always being tired, never like hating how I looked, you know, everything like that. Mm -hmm. I I was sick and tired of that. But for me, it was like 75% of it was like, oh shit, people don't think I look good anymore. And that was the tipping point where I was like, I'm done. (laughs) I had a friend that I'm not friends with anymore. I won't name drop. She doesn't deserve the clout. Um, <laughs> she said that I looked like a Holocaust victim. For me, that was, like, at the at the exact moment, I didn't give a fuck because, like, my entire demeanor in high school was, I don't care. Right. But, like, that still stuck with me. And that's, yeah. so that was also, like, you're completely right. Like, I didn't want people to see me that way because I was, I, I had such an obsession with being hot. Right. I had such an obsession with being like that bitch mm-hmm. that I did not want anybody to look down on me or pity me or anything. So I had to, I had to get back up on yeah. that horse. So basically moral of the story is that bullying works is basically all I've learned through this conversation. <laughs> Bully your friends and they'll change and they'll stop. <laughs> no, but actually tell your friends to go to therapy because therapy is also what helped me get so much better. I was seeing a therapist like three times a week, which is ridiculous. Same, same. Therapy, have- you know, a lot to work through with my parents and just like my home life and everything. Like just like so much. Yeah, I had, I remember I had a therapist in Newton that I would drive through. Mm-hmm. And I drove to literally like twice a week to do family sessions and then one by myself like yeah. every single time. Yeah. No, it was definitely, again, like, I, I barely remember that, too, just because it, it seems so, it seems like a completely, like, a lifetime away, but it takes a lot of work. I, I actually remember after I decided that I wanted to get better, I told my mom, I was like, because I had, I had followed a lot of, like, eating disorder recovery pages, you know. I actually have my own TBT running on squash. It doesn't exist anymore, but I literally used to have a recovery Instagram with, like, 5,000 followers. Ridiculous. But I told my mom, like, I was like, I think I want to be, like, like, admitted into, like, University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. For, like, three days or something, like, because I had heard people say it was, like, a really good experience for them, and, like, it really helped jumpstart their recovery, and I went, and they told me I wasn't skinny enough. They told me my BMI wasn't low enough to get admitted, which, of course, just, like, made me want to starve myself more. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> that literally exactly happened to me, except I was at the YMCA. Yeah. I went with um my best friend at the time. Mm-hmm. You know which one I'm talking about, mm-hmm. extensions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yep. There it is. <laughs> um. And they, like, 
took our BMIs and hers was like lower than me and she kind of like was proud of it yeah, and then like they told me that mine was like higher and I, that just like fucked me up yeah. and no I have not weighed myself in about three years now I refuse to weigh myself if I go to the doctor's office I just like tell them I'm not I don't want to because I think it is actually the most inaccurate and ridiculous measurement of health a bmi and that like there are so many better ways to measure someone's health like blood pressure blood work xyz mm-hmm. like weight is just so ridiculous that i refuse to ever feed into that yeah obsession with healthcare that has with that so yeah exactly i also have not weighed myself in forever like yeah fuck that it's shit. much more freeing <laughs> what do you practice or live by to ensure like a healthy mindset regarding your body i think you just kind of answered that question yeah. but yeah, I mean, I definitely, I used to, I mean, when, when I was, I'm not going to do too many details because I don't want to give anybody ideas, but I was really, like, my fitness pal was my best friend during those times. Yeah. Mostly because I shut everybody else out in my life. Haha, <laughs> love it. <laughs> but I was really obsessed with calories, really obsessed with numbers. And so I've completely cut numbers out of my life, unless it's like, you know, running for five miles, you know, like, like those numbers, obviously, you can't really avoid. But I've completely cut numbers out. And also, uh, within that too like I do make sure I move at least every day that's mostly just for my own mental health that I do some form of exercise even if it's like going for a walk or something and then um yeah I mean there's a lot of other things I probably could be doing but it is also a balancing act of like what makes most sense with my life I know making food with my family has been really good and COVID on like kind of forced that to happen because restaurants were closed and so yeah but definitely I mean I wouldn't be able to do any of those things comfortably if I didn't cut numbers out. And I'm, I don't even think about calories anymore. I don't even, I, there was, there was a time in my life. I, I'll never forget this. I have a journal entry saying this where I said, like, I just want more than anything in the world to not think of calories. And I just want to stop being like a slave to these numbers and these concepts in my head. And I genuinely thought I would have like shot my own mom and said, I genuinely think that I'm not ever going to be free of this again in my life. And I am. So it's pretty ridiculous, like how much of a change I've made in just like five or six years. I would definitely agree with that. And I think that you have definitely helped me with that as well, because I have a fucking podcast about food. My main thing on this podcast is food. I love food so much. I cook every single day. I made you a fucking cake from scratch. Literally. And it was amazing. And I definitely would have not rediscovered this love for food again had I not recovered from my eating store. Because growing up, food meant so much to me. Watching right. my mom cook. So big part of your culture, yeah. Yeah, and then I that totally fell off for me because I was starving myself. I will add one thing really quick. I'm so sorry. that I can tie this back. I'm still in an academic mindset. I can tie this back into a question I answered earlier that actually, in that same vein, everything changed for me as well. When I went to Uganda, I was already like probably about a year and a half into recovery at this point. But when I went there and I saw how food and eating was so much more communal and like such like almost like a sacred act of like you do this with your family, you're never on your phone, you're never watching TV, nothing. You're sitting there eating, talking to each other. And it's such like a loving act. And I see the same thing in like your culture as well, or like what you've told me about it Mm -hmm. and the food your mom makes and everything. And that just completely did a 180 because I come from a very classic middle class white family where it's like, you know, you eat and you watch GSN or CNN or something. And, you know, but that completely did a 180 for me, just like how I perceived food, even beyond just like food is fuel, which was like my big motivator during recovery. But it was like beyond food is fuel. It was like food is community and food is love. Like food is 
a binding act and that that like changed everything for me. So that's another reason why my trip to Uganda was like so life-changing is because it kind of like sealed the deal for me and like the way I viewed food so differently it was beautiful loved it it really is for me food is the way that I nurture yeah I'm like I want to fill you up with food because I want to make you happy with the things that I'm making from scratch Mm -hmm. you know so I would definitely that's very beautiful anthropology of food there's a class on that at Lawrence I recommend everybody to read up on that stuff it's very fascinating What's one piece of advice that you would give to someone that is struggling with recovery? I would give advice that's obviously, you know, this is something that can be applied in a lot of different ways. And I'm having to tell myself this right now, too. It's that progress is, like, never linear. Like, if it is linear, I think you're a fucking robot. Like, I think there's something wrong with you. Um, You will definitely have setbacks. And again, I'm thinking of this now with, like, my job search and post-grad and this, like, very, very messy time and messy time in my life that nothing is linear. You can't expect it to be perfect. That's very hard for people who have eating disorders normally because they are perfectionist. It comes from a place of perfectionism, but you really need to drop that and you're going to have a lot of setbacks. So if you go into it prepared for that, you're way more likely to succeed rather than conceding on the first downfall. So, but yeah, much easier said than done. (laughs) Much easier said um, when you've done it six years ago (laughs) and you're like much better now, but it is something to really keep in mind because I really beat myself up over that a lot. That's so important to remember. Yeah, sometimes you're going to feel like you're going to have 10 steps back. Sometimes you're right. going to feel like you made one step and then five steps back. And that's more than fucking okay. Right. And even beyond that, like, it doesn't end when you gain weight. If anything, it gets harder when you gain weight. If anything, it's it's a continuous process. You are in recovery for the rest of your life after you've had an eating disorder. It is a continuous. It's like once you, like, have a kid. Like, you're a mother for the rest of your life, even if, like, your kid dies, God forbid. But, like, you are always a mother. Like, you will always be in recovery for the rest of your life. It is not something that goes away. Yeah, with COVID and especially with being in a relationship, Connor, um, (laughs) I have gained a fuck ton of weight last year. I've probably gained, like, close to 40 pounds, at least. And it's a lot in my tummy and it's a lot in my thighs and I have a lot of stretch marks and it's been really hard to accept and love myself. And, like, literally every day, like, I'm, like, oh, I'm going to work out and I'm going to eat healthier. Sometimes I do those things, but then life gets in the way and it's hard to get to those things sometimes. And I've been trying really hard to not beat myself up for not doing the things that I think I should be doing because ultimately I am happy. Ultimately, I do love myself. And ultimately, I know that I am love. The rest of it is just, it's trivial. Exactly. But that's PTSD for y'all. okay so let's um change the subject a bit what was your major in yeah I think I mentioned it briefly that I um am I guess still I can use the present tense I am an anthropology major with a more of a medical anthropology until tomorrow at 10 a.m yeah until about 10 hours 12 hours from now um yeah an anthropology major focus in um, medical anthropology because anthropology is like the most ginormous major ever you can be like archaeology bioanth paleoanth like you can do anything so i'm cultural anthropology medical anthropology and then like global health <laughs> so what the fuck is anthropology yeah so it's a whole lot of nothing and everything at the same time um it is quite literally if you study just like the etymology of the word it's the study of humans or the study of man but i don't like saying that i like saying study of humans um and so that either means you're studying humans in the ancient past so with archaeology you're studying artifacts of people or like paleoarchaeology you're studying the bones of people from the ancient past um 
but also that can be bio- biological anthropology, which is studying like primatology and how humans have evolved. Um, linguistic anthropology, you're studying languages and how humans interact with each other verbally. And then cultural anthropology, which is still a massive concept, is probably the biggest of all of them, the biggest umbrella term, is just studying um, human cultures, how humans have interacted for, but but humans in the present. So that's the, that's the distinction between archaeology, I would say, and cultural anthropology. Is cultural anthropology is studying current cultures, current people, current events. Yeah, and then medical anthropology is just a subset within that that looks specifically at either medical systems or healing systems within a community and how people, you know, perceive um, medicine and how they, you know, perceive ailments and healing and everything like that. So for example, you know, there's this classic book, The Spirit Catches You and You Fall Down. It's about this Hmong family um, and their daughter has these like epileptic seizures and she just has these like really interesting medical conditions and these biomedical, which is the um, healthcare system we live in in America today, the biomedical healthcare system was just like trying to understand it all these ways and they just could never quite get behind it until they finally understood it from the cultural perspective of the Hmong and they believed that she was basically being possessed in a way. But until you understand that, you can't properly treat a patient. And I, tr- I firmly believe that. And I've seen that in the experiences I've had. What would you like to do with your degree or what's your dream job? Yeah. So um, I have no idea. That's like the cute part about anthropology and liberal arts is it's awesome in the sense that I feel like the world is my oyster. I could pretty much do almost any job that doesn't require specialization training but also very overwhelming at the same time, especially, you know, today when I'm trying to find even an entry-level job that I'm really interested in, but I'm interested in like so many things that relate to like human experience. And so I guess right now I am looking, like as for the jobs I'm looking at right now, I found one I really like that's in Minneapolis that has to do with um, East African refugees. And it's like a refugee resettlement agency, but I also would love to get my master's in global health at some point. And work for not the WHO right now. I'm <laughs> the WHO is going through some flack right now, but some sort of um, global health agency project designing specifically for maternal health. That's definitely where my passion lies is in maternal and child health. So my capstone is on just basically alleviating maternal mortality rates. You know, helping them get proper care, um, but through a culturally cognizant way and a culturally appropriate way, which is where the anthropology comes in. Um, so anything like that, there's obviously so many ways you can do it. And I have no idea. I feel like I know 5% of everything that I can do. And that's what these next few years are for is to figure out what that is, but something in that. And if not, I'll just donate to organizations that do it and I'll work some other job, but definitely it's where my passion lies. If I'll end up finding a job in that, the verdict is (laughs) out. Get back to me in 10 years and I might. You will. Yeah. I know you will. You are just definitely someone that whatever you want you will go out and get it yeah i hope so let's hope they hire me (laughs) got motherfuckers hired yeah and my hiring (laughs) linkedin some oh my god if you have linkedin please connect with me endorse my skills i will endorse you back it's hannah lindgren i have the picture that looks like a nanny so that's me beautiful one last question Mm -hmm. what is your favorite memory with me favorite memory that we have together? I definitely mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I think creating the Iowa Daddies Twitter page and the fucking chaos that ensued from that. I will never, and I'm going to name drop, I don't fucking care. I'll never forget. First person we put on there. It's funny how I don't have a good memory, but I do for this. 
First person we put on there, Mr. Smith. Hot oh as shit. God. We made him our profile picture. And his oh. fucking daughter messaged us. And was like, can you please make him not the profile picture? And we're like, yeah, fine. And then we put, like, Mr. Martinez, sexy as shit. Mr. Ben Scooter. Not going to give you an ego boost by saying anything else. We fucking put all these people on there. All these specifically <laughs> MHS teachers. And that's where the chaos ensued from. And I will never fucking forget hearing that Mr. Loopy was so butthurt. <laughs> That he was not put on there. And I was like, yeah, because you look like a crusty woman from the 50s. Like, I will never put you on there. This stupid little low ponytail. <laughs> oh, my God. I did a UPS store one time after, like, when I was working there. And my fucker had a weird-ass ponytail. Dude, I was like, is what the shit. fuck is that young no, ho shit? I don't, no, it gets even worse. Then, like, Mr. Pedic was mad that he wasn't on there. Remember Mr. Peter? No, yeah, it was ridiculous. Like people were like, they were like telling other people. Oh, like, and um, what the fuck is his name? Devin Carlin was mad because his <laughs> dad was on okay, there. Okay, Devin, your dad is way fucking hotter than you. It's time that you accept this fact, even though your dad's got a piece of shit. Dude, he is. You know he is, but he's hot as hell, so he probably doesn't care. But I'd say I don't think is he still hot. No, I mean he's definitely downgraded, but I'd still probably put him on the high with dad. He's- no, and we Who went. Else no, and, and, then, and then it chaos ensued because it's people read. Yeah, it spread to like West Des Moines, Davenport, yeah. Waterloo, Iowa City. People were like sending in their dads. Like people themselves were sending in their dads. I'm like, honey, go to therapy. You should not be sending your own father in for Iowa daddies. That's disgusting. And it was just fucking hilarious. It and, was then, next and then level. we would get like men who would DM us and be yes. like, put me on. I'm like, why am I not on there? I'm hot. I'm like, sir, it's time to tell you that you're not. <laughs> I need to break it to you. We will be the verdict on that one. Like, <laughs> can we, I think that we're gonna, give me your phone. We have to look at this page right now and, and read some read some of the shit that we would put on there because it was so fucking funny. It was Anna. pretty bad. Yeah, so here are some winners oh from this. Dad. We said things like, Justin, a.k.a. Mr. Bolivar, Marshalltown, fave if you got in trouble at MHS just to have an excuse to see him. <laughs> First daddy of the page, hot enough to be the Abby, Scott from Marshalltown, retweet if he makes you excited about math. face. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dan from Des Moines, sent in from a fan, I could eat this white chocolate all night long. Okay, and then my personal favorite nobody understands my adoration for brad raw miller people think i'm a fucking weirdo for it but i am so into him brad marshalltown fave if you wish you had some history with this daddy who isn't even a daddy yet <laughs> he might be now I no he isn't that. i keep up to date on him don't worry damn it <laughs> i keep tabs aaron marshalltown retweet if you wish you were gretchen ben scooter's stepmom <laughs> hi gretchen <laughs> Jason, Marshalltown, fame if you want his has. Ooh, he's actually, yeah. Not bad. Oh, yes, Raphael. <laughs> Raphael, Marshalltown, the ultimate puppy. Retweet if he makes you hashtag muy caliente. Fire emoji, devil emoji, smirk emoji. He is really something. Oh, Gary, <laughs> the Gary Gimble, M Town, fave if you want his burrito. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh Sam, Marshalltown, he could make a hole in one any night he chooses. Oh my god, <gasps> dude, Tim, Marshalltown, I definitely want to be his third wife. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was funny. really too much. <laughs> Creighton, 26, Marshalltown. You're lying if you've never wished he'd score in your goal. Honestly. Rob Marshalltown. That gym tan laundry lifestyle sure does him well. <laughs> oh, Sean. Sean. Sean Carlin, Marshalltown. Retweet if you think this is the best one yet. Hashtag DILF AF. And I will let everybody know that in one of the pictures, he is in front of a Casey's car. So that really puts the location on there. <laughs> oh. oh, good God. Oh, my God. Joshua Marshalltown. Anyone one who anyone who went to Miller and knew him, the thirst for older men was real even back then. He was the finest motherfucker that ever walked the halls of Miller. Do you remember him? <laughs> I never had class with him. Oh my god, yeah, it was honestly dangerous. But what a time! That was honestly a true treat of my life. Only I still tell people about that. I'm thinking of putting that on my resume under like projects completed. I'll put like the cooperative I started in Uganda and like. The sack gardens I started in Rwanda and then, like, an Iowa Daddy's Twitter page that went viral in Iowa. <laughs> I think it was... I think that, that might be my greatest accomplishment to this day. It really was, because it was just absolute chaos, but in the best way possible. Dear God, how many tweets did we have? We had so many. I'm, I retweeted some of them recently, obviously. I'm screaming. So fun. Oh. To find out what the password is to that account. I know. I would... I would probably pay someone a good amount of money to you to figure out how to hack it back. Yeah, in anonymous. If you're listening, please hack it <laughs> and give it back to us. <laughs> okay, Hannah. Well, thank you so fucking much for being on this episode. This has been literally my favorite episode so far. Yes. I fucking love you so much, everyone. Um, please go sign as many petitions as it takes until they ask if you're a robot and donate any of the money you have to all of the different um, organizations that are taking funds for Black Lives Matter right now. We are in the middle of a fucking civil rights movement and you better be on the right side of history. So I have nothing to add on that except (laughs) literally that. Yes. I, I'm really fucking broke right now, but I have been donating whatever little money I have. And Mm. honestly, at this point, calling cops pigs is a, is literally Because I like pigs. I feel bad for pigs. <laughs> that too. <laughs> that is derogatory to pigs. True. I was telling Connor earlier, like, cops' reaction to everything going on of everyone hating them is like me when I'm PMSing and I'm just gaslighting Connor all day long. <laughs> and I'm just like, you never do this. You never do that. And then he finally snaps and he's like, God, can you just please stop acting like this? And I'm like, <laughs> Those are literally cops right now. They're like, yes. I can't believe you're mad at me. I can't believe I'm being expected to be held accountable for my actions. It's such a fucking crime against humanity. <laughs> all right. I think this is it. Don't forget, all cops are bastards, even that stupid ass cop you're married to. <laughs> or one of those stupid ass cops that made it onto the Iowa Daddy's page. You're still a fucking bastard. No matter how fucking hot you are. That is very true. It's true. All right. Well, we're going to go get drunk now and eat some edibles. So, totally fucking do. Bye.